If the devil came and laid down his head on the pillow that you share and tried to bind all the secrets of who you are and aimed to rob your soul bare, with all that you are being locked away and no one can hear your pleas, for as loud as you shout, for as long as you do, no one will ever hear that you don't like peas. Good evening and welcome to Gore, a horror podcast to keep you up at night. I'm the Wicked Kitten always getting into mischief and with me as always are my creepy co-hosts, the lovely Travis. Hello. The endearing, the ethereal Faye. Hi, hi. And lastly, the dread you've been feeling since you hit play on this podcast, Dreadly. Hello. You know, I'm just starting to realize that I think I affect a voice that I think sounds like each of you when I'm introing you. And I don't know if I ever realized it until just now. <laughs> like, I can't do your voices, but you hear me? <laughs> do you hear me? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? So, it's time to play our favorite game. What you doing? What you watching? How you been, Travis? I've been pretty good. Uh, most of my free time right now is still taken up by Baldur's Gate 3. Yay! So, it's basically been that and uh, shows and things for um, for podcasts, movies, watching stuff for... I, I, I just did finally wrap up uh, Cage of Palooza 2023. I'll um, Nick Cage all month, including my monthly movie patron night where we watched Vampire's Kiss. Aw, I've never seen that. <laughs> Oh wait, you haven't seen need to watch it no. because you're you'd be in for a treat. It is quite something. Yeah. It's Nick Cage at his most Nick Cage. <laughs> I seen the gifts. <laughs> it is. They okay, so that doesn't even do it justice, right? This is like distilled, unfiltered, distilled Nicolas Cage. Let off the leash to do whatever the hell he wants. We're watching it at one point. We were like a half hour in. Somebody was like, oh, my God, this is this is crazy. I said, oh, oh, no, we're at about a two right now. <laughs> okay. This movie goes to a 12. I got to watch it. Mm-hmm. Faye! How? 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 What's up? Uh, I too have been just doing Baldur's Gate three. <laughs> Nowhere near as far as Travis, because uh, I haven't had the hours to put into it. But what I have played has been wonderful. I just at the beginning of Act two. <laughs> oh, that's Bless great. you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I found the Harpers. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we haven't been doing a lot. <laughs> no. I mean, we're doing a lot, but it's like in the one game. Yeah, I get you. I'll just quickly go to me. I have a lot to say. <laughs> Dreadly. Let me guess. How? <laughs> These are getting longer then. Uh, that's every episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Well, surprisingly, I've been playing Baldur's Gate 3. So, yeah. 
Surprise! <laughs> it's like it's a popular game or something. I, yeah, it is. Uh, I am almost finished. Uh, so, getting to the end. By the time people are listening to this, I'll have finished it. And this game is just amazing. Yeah, you're- amazing. Are you going to play Starfield? God, <laughs> you know, I'm amused at what I'm reading and hearing and seeing about Starfield. And like when Baldur's Gate 3, like uh, they, they, they moved their release forward for a couple of weeks and people are like, yeah, that's to get away from Starfield. And I'm like, I think Starfield is the one getting away from Baldur's Gate a bit because, oh my, <laughs> oh my, it's like uh, see, seeing something new and futuristic and something old and uh, yeah, <laughs> which probably would have been a good game if other games didn't come out. I mean, it's still going to be a good game, but yeah. Not as great as they hoped. We'll find out in Dreadley's commentary on Starfield next episode. Um, yeah, so there's also a game <laughs> called that came out called Sea of Stars that I want to play. Uh, there's a lot of games. <laughs> a lot of games. Always is. Too many games, not enough time. Yeah, exactly. I'm just playing Baldur's Gate 3 till I get Alan Wake 2. And then I'll dive into Alan Wake too. Eh. Uh, but yeah, other than that, we have a couple of movies that we've watched. Uh, uh, one of them being Ghoulies 2. After last time, we've watched Ghoulies 1. Yes. Uh, Ghoulies getting... 2, definitely better. I guess we're, we're getting <laughs> Travis to watch all the Ghoulies movies, basically. Cause well, me most too. Of us have I've seen... never seen them. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Did I forget that? You just seem Proudly. like a person who's seen them. Um, <laughs> you look like a I mean, the one thing Take that as a compliment or a diss. It doesn't really matter. The one thing I will say about Ghoulies 2 over the first Ghoulies is they didn't try at all to give any reason for the Ghoulies to exist or be there. They're just like, well, they're here and things are happening. Yeah, it's kind of like a... Like a I, I applaud a movie. Lit- literally, some dude had them in a bag and brought them to the scene. And that's it. <laughs> like, Basically. This is their traveling journey, and then they stowed, and they stowed away in the in the circus. Oh, yeah, that's truck. true. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Part. <laughs> They're very impressive. I I love the way that that stuff looks. I I don't care what anybody says. Uh, it's just so cute, and when they're walking around and stuff, <laughs> you know. Hey, I mean, come on! It, it had Royal Dano in it. I'm I'm already, yeah. I already loved it because of that. Alone. They they played this a lot on like you know, like channel 11 on the East coast or USA and stuff like that. Like channels like that, where I saw edited versions, which there wasn't really that much in it to be edited, to be honest. Right. But I watched this like over and over again as a kid, this was like my favorite and you know, it was just fun. I thought the ghoulies were so cute. My brother, my brother used to tell me that the, you know, that the toilet ghoulie would come up and bite you and stuff. And, so I didn't pee for a year. Um, it's just like the snake, right? I mean, I did pee. I just didn't pee in the toilet. So don't ask. Excuse me. <laughs> what bad I feel like this. Are. Yeah, I feel like this joke went too far, and now I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm gonna reel it back now. Um, 
but yeah, that's about the time that I took, um, the, the, like my brothers are like almost 10 years older than me, like eight and 10 years. And they would constantly try to make me feel afraid. And that was one of those things where I kind of tried to turn it around in my own mind and say that like, I could be friends with these and things like ghoulies and critters and, you know, puppet master. These were the things that I felt like would be my friends, you know, as opposed to like Jason or something like I could actually make friends with them and then they would help me kill other people. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So yes. So that's the first part of my life. And now I will talk to you about my journey through therapy. (laughs) Anyway, We also had our uh, monthly Patreon movie night, uh, and we watched uh, a shark movie. Yes, we did. Deep blue sea. Deep as blue as mm-hmm. head is like a shark's fin. Deep as blue as head is like a shark's fin. <laughs> yeah, that gets stuck in your head. It is an earworm. At least for like a half. It's like a. It's like it's a. It's a fast degrading earworm. It's stuck in your head, but within like an hour, you're like, Oh, okay. I guess I'm good. I love, I I love deep Lucy. It's a, it's a good movie. It's fun. It's for the time it was really well-made. And even now it still looks decent to some people. (laughs) (laughs) We're pointing to those with an eye. To those with an eye for what looks good. <gasps> she's going to smack you the next time she sees you. In Vegas, <laughs> it's going to be the slap herd around the casino or whatever. Why do you think I have this beard? It's cushioning. All right. Smack his forehead. <laughs> no, I love I love Deep Blue Sea. It's, it's cheesy, but it's it knows that. And that's, that's the best part. Plus, I mean, it's a hell of a cast. Mm-hmm. Good old Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. Sam Jackson, Thomas Jane. I love Michael Rappaport, so <laughs> anytime he pops up in something, <laughs> it's always great. Stellan Skarsgård. Cool that parrot. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> bird. My, my favorite bird. part about that is the bird is named Bird. Bird. Bird is the word. So you just get to hear LL Cool J saying bird. That's like, I was watching. Get over here, bird. What the hell was I watching where the person like looked at the the cat's collar and I'm like, oh, what a cute kitty. What's the kitty's name? And it was Kitty. It was Kitty. Yeah. And I'm like. Oh, that was Creep Show. Oh, yes. We watched uh, the last two episodes of uh, season three of Creep Show. In preparation for season Mm. four. Those were good. Uh, creep show. I'm telling you, I like the first season and I feel like the, the episodes get better as you go on. Um, I got to continue on. It's, it's a fun time. Have you gotten to Bob yet? The episode with Bob? I haven't watched past what we did oh, together. Did we do something? So <laughs> we watched a few. Oh. Of them. Cause I remember we yeah, watched forced, the one yeah. with the, uh, Bob Ross. Oh, I guess I watched. PBS yeah. Guy. That was like out of order. Uh, yeah, we didn't watch them in order yeah. or anything. We just like threw on some random ones. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's the Sam Ramy one. Yeah. Mm, yep. <laughs> There's some good ones in there. It's really nice to get back to that. Uh, I was talking to somebody about all these different shows that were around, like uh, Tales from the Crypt and 
um, monsters. Tales from the Dark Tales Side. from the Dark Side. And somebody brought up this one that I had forgotten about called uh, The Hitchhiker. That thing, yep. I used to watch mm-hmm. that all the time. And now you can't find it anywhere unless somebody finds it. Find it for me. Um, but I would like to rewatch that. That show, I can't tell you what happened in the show, but I'm guaranteeing I have memories from it that I don't know what they're from. <sighs> I think there's some hitchhiking going on. I mean, that's might just be. the weaving of the story, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. That's yeah. Until you I, find out that's all that happens in that. Just I love anthologies though, and there's so many like famous people if you look at who was in the show, because they all guest starred in all these different things. So, yeah, I I think one of the ones that I liked was Nightmare Cafe. Oh, Nightmare Cafe had Robert England in yes. it. Yes, yeah. I have never watched that, but I have heard of it. I have seen. I've heard tale of it. I would like to see. Yeah, it. I used to watch it on the Sci-Fi Channel when it was Sci-Fi, not Siffy. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. Oh God, Freddy's Nightmares. It wasn't a good one, but I liked mm-hmm. it still. There were some cute things in there. Oh, yeah. Um. Other than that, uh, I did. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you heard the me and Claire doing the uh, watch along of Hot Fuzz. And that's pretty self-explanatory. It's hot fuzz. It's a good movie. And now you have a weird commentary with uh, Claire who decided to continue, uh, I guess, making food or something in the background. So (laughs) it's pretty fun. Yeah. I was a little sad I didn't get invited, but that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I didn't. I wasn't either. You were doing the thing. Why would I invite you? I mean, I don't want to brag, but I was definitely invited. I just didn't show up. <laughs> you were invited mm. to come watch. You weren't invited to talk. Oh. Hold on. Oh. Uh, my <laughs> hey, you were there for Jaws. <sighs> you were there for Jaws. Well, that was fun. But I think it's about that time to peek around that corner and give you some of the highlights of horror news. Well, uh, couple of trailers uh one of them being uh, a movie called uh, onyx the fortuitous and the talisman of souls now that's a title that's a title it's it's a lot of words thrown together yep. <laughs> i'm yeah those are i'm words. sure when we watch the movie it will all make sense oh absolutely right. honestly i have no idea how this movie's gonna be but it looks fun and uh, they had me at uh, Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton. Yay! Well, I'm definitely going to watch that. Absolutely. Because I was, Man, how do you I was watching this trailer like half-half, and I just heard the voice. And I was like, hey, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was yeah. I'm excited, even though I feel like kind of diminishing returns on the movies, but Overall, I really liked the David Gordon Green uh, Halloween trilogy, and it's getting a uh, 4K steelbook um, release at Best Buy. I think it's a Best Buy exclusive. They finally made a third movie? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that nobody likes. Likes or very Somebody likes it. (laughs) You know, I was going to say that I knew you were going to put that story in here, and I already wrote down what I was going to reply. And done. 
Well, on that bombshell, the other uh, trailer that has been put out is for Zombie Town. Won't you take me to? Sorry. Starring Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. So, and it's an R.L. Stein. fun. So, my butt's in the seat for that one already. It looks so <laughs> silly. The movie turns people into zombies. Okay. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Like, we watched those, um, the other Arl Stein movies that came out. Goosebumps. Yeah, the Goosebumps movies. And those were fun, you know? Goosebumps and Fear Street. Yeah. Oh, the Fear Street 3 thing was really, I really like that. Uh, that's more mm-hmm. my flavor than the than the Goosebumps, but I, I still enjoyed the Goosebumps in a different way. In a different way. Ooh. And exciting news from the drive-in is that Joe Bob is coming back for like five special events of varying degrees of things starting on September 8th, which has already passed by the time you get this, uh, <laughs> this recording, but um, they're going to, they're going to rebroadcast the historic first jamboree from 2021. Um, so hopefully you watch that and you had a good time. And you can let me know what what will happen. Uh, people from the future. I mean, and we I'm will not. be in the future as well, so we'd already know. But it's time to tell you. I'm trying to be funny and <laughs> it with logic or whatever. Uh, Hurry, we must get back to the future. <laughs> on nine fifteen, which should be the day that you got this, um, if you're actually listening to it that day, though, who knows? Um, the amazing new Daryl Dixon series premieres and Joe Bob will be around for that, which will be interesting. I'm sure he's introing it like he did for the, the other new walking dead series and some of the other episodes that he's done before. So if you like that, cool. Sometimes I think about catching back up with the walking dead, but I don't know if I ever will. <laughs> they walk too I'm... fast. Huh? Shut up. Um, Yes, on October 7th, they're going to ha- uh, be live at the West Wind Drive-In in Vegas for the Jamboree. So they're going to broadcast part of that uh, to us fine folks. And that should be good. That's a Saturday, as opposed to it being a Friday like normal. On October 10th, there's a Fear Fist takeover on AMC. That's a Tuesday. Um, it's very interesting timings. I oh, love Fear Fest on IMC. That's one of my favorite things back when I used to watch real TV or what have you, uh, ter- terrestrial TV, uh, you know, where they play Halloween four, five, and six uh, over and over and over again. And on finally completing the five on October 20th with Joe Bob's Halloween which will be the Halloween season uh, special for Joba. And that's the most exciting thing, honestly, for me. Hopefully they finally play the best Halloween movie. Three. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's hope they get the rights, because that's been the thing. That's been the thing. Damn rights. Yeah, but I think at this point, I I think at this point for Joba, it's just a a, a a, a thing. It's a meme (laughs) now to, to... 
string us on. I mean, they did it at uh, the last Jamboree. So last year's Jamboree, they did it live there. So I don't know if they would do it again so soon, even for the stream. Well, that's just it. I'm not at the Jamboree. That doesn't do me no we good. We have to start going to the Jamboree. That should be our new thing. This year it's in Vegas. I'd love to. Yes, with all the bed bugs. With, oh, mm-hmm. God. <laughs> yes, I don't want to think about that. Thanks. Uh-huh. And now for tonight's feature bed bug presentation. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> keep keep poking the bear. Keep poking the bear. <laughs> and now for tonight's feature presentation. So we are finally done with shark movies for real this time, right? Yes, Travis. Stop worrying. Which movie are we doing then? Well, I figured we could celebrate our 50th episode with a true classic that also happens to be celebrating its 50th anniversary. Ooh, The Wicker Man? I mean, I'd, you know, I'd rather we do the Nicolas Cage version, but... No! The Exorcist! It's like perfect timing! Oh, okay. Guess that makes sense. Uh, Wicked? You might want to double-check your numbers there. We celebrated our 50th episode with the better movie, Shark Night. No, we didn't. That was episode 49 and a half. Just check the feed. But we don't number 49 and a half. But our listeners can count. It's perfect timing. The Exorcist is a 1973 supernatural horror film directed by William Friedkin from a screenplay by William Peter Blatty based on his 1971 novel of the same name. The film stars Ellen Burstyn, Max von Sydow, Jason Miller, and Linda Blair. It's considered one of the scariest horror movies of all time, the first horror movie to be nominated for an Academy Award, and has the most kick-ass theme. But how do you feel about this movie, Travis? I mean, it is a classic, right? It... it, it is one of the best horror movies that I've probably ever seen. It's funny that you mention how kick-ass the, the theme is, though, because it's barely in the fucking movie. But like, it's gently in there, too, and I never noticed that until this watching, since this was my second time watching Yeah, it's just like there a little bit at the beginning, a couple, couple times throughout the movie and in the, in the end credits. Yet, as soon as you hear Tubular Bells, it's like The Exorcist, <laughs> immediately. Um, no, I love this movie. I love... So much about it, including hearing all the crazy stories of making it. I can't imagine trying to work with Bill Friedkin in seven in the seventies. That had to have been a nightmare. <laughs> um, yet he got some damn good movies uh, out of it. I mean, he made this the year after he made The French Connection, which, if you haven't seen, is a a really good movie as well. Um, so, yeah, I I love the performances in this. Jason Miller, who. I had no idea until today is Jason Patrick's dad. Um, Wait, I thought that that was, I thought it was last names that family members shared. Well, it was a different time. His son is Jason Miller, but he goes by Jason Patrick. (laughs) I know. I'm just joking. It's his stage name. (laughs) And, and, and I didn't know that until today. Yeah. I I didn't know that until you just said it. Holy. Um, and to think that this was Jason Miller's first film, 
is crazy. Mm-hmm. And he was up for an Academy Award for it. And he was amazing in it. Uh, Max von Sydow is, of course, I always think of him as being an old man because of this movie, even though he was only like 44 when he made it. Yeah. But the the makeup the makeup work that they did for him was incredible. It looks this movie looks great. It sounds great. Um, it helped to do a re release in two thousand, where they added in a couple of the deleted scenes um, that I I do think added even more to it. It's also got a very strong reputation, which I think for some people makes it a little a little bit of a letdown when they do finally see it because it's always hyped up as one of the scariest movies ever. But I do think that it fits that bill. I think that it is a incredibly effective movie um, and really well done. Well written. Uh, Blatty was, it's also insane to think William Peter Blatty um, is also the guy who wrote the screenplay for a shot in the dark. The first pink Panther movie with, uh, with Peter Sellers like screwball comedy from the sixties. And then he turns around and writes this novel and ends up writing the exorcist. Couldn't be further apart (laughs) in terms of tone. Um, But yeah, I I love it. Yeah. The only thing horror and comedy have in in common is timing. That's, that's the only thing you got to have perfect timing for both. Faye, how do you feel about this movie? It's iconic for a reason. I mean, it's good. I mean, there's really nothing bad to say about it. I mean, it was definitely scary for its time. Did you did you watch it back when you were uh, a youngin for the first time? Yeah. Yep. So you have like that whole memory of being, you know actually scared by the I, movie, my right? favorite I, I mean I can't say I was actually scared but <laughs> I can see how it can be were scary. you ever scared of anything um, in I'm, your life Faye not even when you were a kid <laughs> not after sleepaway camp oh. no <laughs> other than uh ring the original yes. ring that one actually that scares me thinking about it now um <laughs> I will say like I feel like your level of how affected you were by this movie in terms of being scared is entirely tied into your upbringing in, in, Mm. uh, in terms of like religion. Yeah. I think I I had part in it. Almost zero. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Yes. I noticed like you, I think you were also, although you didn't like St. Maud, you also didn't have, didn't get affected by that movie, uh, as much. And that's got the religious edge to now, it as well. Now, my favorite parts were with uh, Reagan and her possession. So, yeah, the good I mean, meaty parts, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no surprise. The, the yeah, last yeah, the, half the, hour. The, 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 the pea well, soup. The uh, <laughs> we spent forty minutes. Like, um, wasn't there like a possession in this movie? Somebody. Yeah. Because there's the trailer out for the new Exorcist movie, um, Believer, and somebody was complaining that I hope that this isn't a slow burn. I was like, did you, did you see the first movie? Like, of course it should be a slow burn. That first movie takes an hour to get to anything resembling a possession film, 
and then it's slow like it's a slow burn as it's a slow burn as yeah. you get but I mean, it's what makes it work. A 70 slow burn is definitely going to be a lot slower than what we're going to get, though. I I definitely feel that our slow burn, like we still have slow burn, but it's like it'll it'll move a little bit quicker. Or at least that's what I feel. We'll see. We'll see when it comes out. Yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll find out. It starts when she has her little accident at the party and <laughs> well the thing and I it needs that right because you have to actually mm-hmm. care about this kid. You have to have some sort yes. of an emotional connection to Reagan or what's the point? So it needs that slow burn it needs that build up. Yeah. I'm sorry. Did you want to say anything else Faye? before? I was going to say my favorite scene was the crab walk down the stairs. Yes. That is a, a beautiful scene that wasn't in the original release, right? Correct. And they even changed it since... When did they change it? Did they change... Because they added it back in before add- 2000, but then they changed it again. Because now... No, they added it in 2000. Because they had... Because the, there's a version where there's like a serpent coming out of her mouth, but this one was the blood, the one that we saw. So there, there was a, it was like a long tongue yeah. that was coming out of her mouth. What they did was originally they used that shot in a different movie. Oh, the whole spider walk thing got used in another movie. I don't remember what one now off the top of my head. Um, but then in 2000 Friedkin recut the movie and he added in a few deleted scenes partially as sort of like there were stuff that he had taken out that Blatty really wanted in there. And so, and he agrees now that he, uh, or he, he did agree. Um, that it was his preferred cut, but that was one of the things he added in was the spider walk in 2000, which is creepy as hell. (laughs) I'm trying to remember the first time that I watched this and whether it was this version or not. I can't even, I can't remember. I couldn't tell you. Dreadly, how do you feel about this movie? Well, apparently, uh, can't say anything bad about this movie. Um, I'm just going <laughs> to be quiet. Uh, okay, so let me uh, let me. Uh, look is just like let let me tell you a little story. I'm pretty sure I've seen this like movie. Like I'm pretty sure I've seen this movie t- two or three times before this. Can't really say how many times or when, but pretty sure. So I rewatched this for for our podcast, and I was like, "Okay, so the opening scene in, in Iraq, I I remember." However, I thought it was a sequel, but apparently it's in the original. So fine, that happens. You know, I'm pretty sure in one of the sequels they go back to it or something. Yeah, in the second, uh, and that's probably why. But then once that, that scene is over, there's like an entire part of this movie that I don't remember at all. Because to me, this movie started at a party with a piano or a piano, like mom, like someone pointed out. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sorry, that, that was one of my favorite shots that she she pees <laughs> right in front of the piano. Yeah. It was almost like suggestive, like, you know, like if you think about going to the bathroom, all of a sudden you have to go more than anything in the world. But you so don't want to miss the, the piano. music. Yeah. What? 
Ah, uh, but then then that probably means that I mostly remember the better sequel called Repossessed. Because that one <laughs> that one starts at that part. <laughs> so do I remember anything of this movie? Ah. <laughs> I think there were a total of four things that I remember actually. And then I was like, oh, oh, this is already over. Oh, that's gone. Okay. And then I looked and there was still an hour left in the movie. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> interesting. Ah. Yeah, it's when the movie actually picks ah, up. Ah, <laughs> but then it goes back down. Oh. Um, so what Travis pointed out is that we apparently need to have a connection with the girl. So that might be a problem. So, uh, actually, this movie is just boring. Uh, yeah. And how old were you when you first wonder- watched this? I Two hours ago. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't remember, but I'm going to assume somewhere in my teens. Mm-hmm. It does make you wonder, though, a movie that's this well-known and influential, and then on top of that, parodied to death how much does that affect it? Because if you don't see this and you've seen things like repossessed and things that have either taken what this movie did and built upon it or taken what this movie did and poked fun at it. And then you watch it and it's, it it takes some of the, the, the steam out of it, right? Take some of the starch out of, out of that. I'm pretty sure I watched the exorcist first before I saw any of the parodies or sequels back in the day. And I did go in this with an open mind in the sense of like, let's see, like, you know, I don't know. I was just, first of all, not scary, obviously, but that's because, you know, religion plays a big part, as we said. Uh, I'm not that religious, so it's more, eh. But then, I don't know, it was just, uh, can't explain it didn't just do anything for me really it did well anything. thank you for coming on this podcast not being i able know to it. <laughs> but it, sometimes you have like a movie that just does not do anything for you in any way whatsoever yeah. no that's you know what like we like i'm pretty sure that you would say that you would agree that this movie is well made it's got you know decent actors it's filmed properly it's got all like the things that should make it like a well-made nominated for an oscar movie kind of thing like it's a it's you know in that regard it you can consider it a good movie right you still you would consider it an iconic horror film yes it's just that you don't personally care for them anything i say is personal i mean (laughs) i only talk from yeah yeah but I don't uh, want you to feel like you can't give your personal opinion because you, you know, like that's that's the whole point of the of the show is to say why why it is that you feel the way that you feel. And yeah. like Right, but no amount of no amount of me telling Dredd that he's wrong about this no. movie is gonna change that yeah. opinion. Because we right? all know it's Which Travis who's wrong in the end, so No, like I, no. It, you notice that I bring up a lot of times, like I ask when people watch stuff, cause I like, it does affect 
you watching things. Like if I, you know, if I watch something when I'm very yeah. young, it's going to affect me and probably be scarier. Like Freddy Krueger, like I'm not scared of him now, but like when I was a kid, that became a very strong memory. It became one of my favorite movies. It was something that I love and I still enjoy that, you know, to this day. Well, also, what, what did it in well, this movie is probably that I figured out who was behind all this pretty early <laughs> on. Because I don't know if you <laughs> noticed this, but that German, uh, oh my god, person that just keeps popping up all the time. I don't know what his job is there. He's around whenever something happens, so I'm pretty sure he's the one who fed her all the pea soup. And made her throw up. Just <laughs> like you to blame the German. He's Swiss. <laughs> I don't think he was. Um, <laughs> no, my, you make a really good point there, though. Like, we're always, every time you see a movie, especially if you see one more than once, you're a different person every time you see it, and it affects you differently. Faye, you mentioned how uh, um, Sleepaway Camp was one that scared you, right? Like, I yeah. saw that movie, didn't scare me at all. But I'm I'm a very different person when I saw it as an adult than you were at a young age seeing that for the first mm -hmm. time. So like, it's always going to affect like you. And horror six when I saw that, <laughs> which <laughs> let, let's be real, entirely too young to see a movie like that. Like, I'm too young to watch a movie like that. But it's it's one of those where horror, especially, is one that that by the very nature of of being frightening and scaring you is going to be so different for every single person. Yeah. And so it makes, you know, I can see it not connecting. And again, the religious aspect of it too. Like a lot of the time when you're hearing it's the scariest movie of all time, largely that was a lot of major city audiences talking about the movie to their news outlets. And there are a lot of Catholics and this is a very Catholic movie, even though it has plenty of other religious iconography in it. Um, it it's largely Catholicism, so that's going to be a huge impact on you know an American audience that sees it. I'm sure a bunch of people in Turkey watching this for the first time, if they're not Catholic, probably not all that freaked out by by that. So, I just picked Turkey at random. I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe you're hungry. <laughs> they may they may all be Catholic. I don't know. All right, they, I'm talking they have ass. like Orthodox something or other, like Eastern. Anyway, I don't know anything about countries, but so. <laughs> Um. All right, I know a little bit, but uh, I love this podcast. Uh, doing I, it with Americans, it's fun. People, you're it's welcome. Fun. Yes. So, um, I, I made the corollary earlier to like timing with horror, and it's like it's kind of the same thing, like comedy movie. It, Dread will watch like mm -hmm. uh, American Pie or something like that and laugh. Repossessed. Come on out. Well, I like repossessed, so that example didn't help what oh. I was saying. I'll watch American Pie and I will be so annoyed at that movie at this point because it's so, like, just it's fucking annoying. No offense to American Pie lovers. That's not the mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. The point is, is that just comedy hits you sometimes differently. And it's the same thing with, with horror. Sometimes, in, in any case, movies are subjective. We're allowed to not like them. I, I sure. want to know why, but that's about it. Well, it also makes you wonder if, like, the era that you're in, how much of an effect does that have? Because let's say Dread sees this for the first time in 1973. So you don't have all of the horror that has come after it that you've watched, that you've consumed, 
and you see this probably going to be a lot more affecting at that point because it's new and it's different. How old do you think I am? <laughs> You're ageless. We know this. I So I watched this movie for the first time, I don't know, I was a teenager or something, and it was... It was a bucket list item. It was like I have to, I have to watch this movie. This is the thing, right? and I watched it. No, this is The Exorcist. The thing, huh. things are entirely different. <laughs> <movie. laughs> Completely uh-huh. different director. Dad. Um, so it was. Um, I don't. I wasn't scared. I wasn't. I don't know. I I can barely remember watching it. I never watched it again. I, you know, never said it was a bad movie. I just, it just wasn't my, and it, it never was my bag. So this is my second time watching the movie and it's, it's still not my bag. Like, it's just not, it's just not it. I think it's beautiful. I think it's well done. I think it broke a lot of, you know, stuff and box office things. And it's a well-made movie and it deserves to be at the top of every list like it is. It's just not my, it's not my cup of tea. It's not my teacup. I mean, end of the day, this movie walked so that a lot of other movies. Exactly. These are, you know, and these are the building. Yeah. Yeah. You can say that about something like, uh, gone with the wind is a movie that high on a lot of people's, uh, you know, best of lists and all of that, but you might watch it and you don't really care. Or, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of movies that can have that. <laughs> sure. And maybe they don't connect with you, but you can appreciate what they are. Yeah. And, and this can be that. Now I love the movie, but there's just something about the, the filmmaking craft in it that is fascinating to me. And again, Bill Friedkin, crazy person. You don't, and you don't have to necessarily like the movie to appreciate the, the filmmaking aspect mm-hmm. of it either. Oh, absolutely. It's just that, like, it really did take a long time to get there. <laughs> I felt it. <laughs> and and that's, like, not a big deal. I do like slow burn movies. I, I'm getting, I appreciate them a lot more than I used to. And uh, I was actually kind of surprised that none of it creeped me out or scared me, though. Like, I don't. You know me. Like I watched these. We watched that possession movie, and I was hiding behind my hands that whole time. That the Emily, whatever possession. Oh, Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah. That. Maybe it's just like people <laughs> moving weird or something. But you know, and the Saint well, Maud. Yeah. Like that didn't scare me the whole way through, but there were parts of it that were genuinely just like fucking fuck, fucking fuck is what I'm gonna say a lot in this episode. That and apparently about peeing for some reason. So mm-hmm. now I'm that girl. Yeah. Yeah. No. Just just wait till you see talk to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is well, it's also, you know, again, it's a product of its time in terms of the filmmaking style. Like it uh it, so that makes a huge difference because this is a lot closer to you uh to your, you know, seventies, eighties era um because of because it comes in that. It's like you love Italian horror films. Yes, absolutely. And they have a lot of the same sort of filmmaking style that was going on. They take it to a different extreme, (laughs) but they don't have like a a, a 70s uh, Lucio Fulci 
or you know early 80s or whatever is going to be a lot closer visually to something like the exorcist than say the exorcism of emily rose because of the technology difference and disparities in filmmaking um and something like a fulci movie doesn't necessarily scare you so much as like put you in a situation where you're uncomfortable watching it. And that's kind of what they were going for with this in a lot of different ways, but also it's that slow burn. And it, I wonder if I know for me, I don't think I would have the same feeling of like caring about the fact that father Karras sacrificed himself to save this girl at the end of the movie. If we don't spend a decent amount of time learning about who he is throughout the movie and what he goes through with his mother and all of that and his crisis of faith and everything that he's ha- has had going on in his life for him to still take it upon himself to take the demon into himself and then throw himself out a window to save the girl. Like, so there, that's where some of that slow burn part yeah. I think works. Better. I definitely, I, I definitely see the need for those things in the movie. You need, that's just, you know, that's good storytelling. It's, you know, you make people feel stuff. Um, apparently I'm dead inside, but you know, <laughs> so am I. But, uh, one thing that I have to say about all that is the story with the mother and all that. There were some issues there with timing, like scenes went, you know, from one scene to the next as a movie goes, but, the time that elapsed in between felt odd because at one point his mom is in, in sleeping with the radio on Greek music somehow in America, as you probably have a Greek music station. Uh, then probably the next scene, too. she's in a hospital suddenly, and then they're at a next at a party that was supposed to be like the next day or something. And suddenly the mom has been dead for a couple of days. Like, there's some uh, those, weird like, time jumps there. Something? Was there a dream? No? Am I thinking? I don't know. I got He has a dream sequence, but it's after his mother dies. Yeah. It okay. this that's another kind of hallmark of this era of filmmaking. This this happens sometimes where time passes and you don't really like they don't tell you. They don't come right out and say, like, it's been three days. It's just sort of a few days have gone by, and you don't really know exactly. So this was meant to take place over a period of, like, six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Because it's based – the Blatty wrote the novel based on a story of an actual exorcism of a young boy somewhere in Missouri, I think it was, that took place over the course of eight weeks. That was the that was the inspiration for his novel. Um, so I think he's trying to make it seem like it takes about the same amount of time. That's why she has like multiple visits to the doctor and all that kind of stuff. And that that's not just happening day after day. It's going in and then a few days later and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. that is so fascinating. But you know what it's time for? The third king. The 13 is a specially cultivated list of tropes or our favorite things from horror movies. 
this, this might change or be adjusted as time goes on and in real time because this is real life. And your mother stores socks in hell to, to keep them warm. You know, just <laughs> hell warm your socks. She wants you to be warm. She wants your socks to be warm. I, I, I don't know what hell you're talking about, but the one here freezes over every winter. It's true, it does. <laughs> Damn northerners. Can confirm. <laughs> Number one, kitty cat. Meow. Was there? I don't remember. Yeah. Cat. There were a couple dogs. Oh, yes. Fighting dogs. The two dogs fighting. There was a dog in his dream for some reason. That little dog. Don't, don't ask. Mm-hmm. Number two, Volkswagen. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Many ones. Thank you, seventies. <laughs> Number three, scary location, time of the year, summer camp, beach, man, mental hospital, holiday, full moon. Uh, uh, Washington D.C. <laughs> not for the reasons you're thinking. Uh, specifically Georgetown. I got no. one. Uh, those fucking stairs. Tell me that's not a fucking scary ass location. You can actually go there too. Yeah. Yeah, because it was a, it was a real. It's a real house. It's apparently. I don't know how much stock I put in this piece of trivia. It's apparently a weed store. <laughs> if it is, that would be uh, not with those pretty stairs. amazing. But <laughs> <laughs> the stairs themselves, though, those stairs are as an iconic image of just looking down those stairs. Well, they killed the most people in this movie. Yeah. That's true. They had the highest body count. <laughs> that was my joke. You gotta be faster. Fine. Jerk. Oh. Um, also, scary location. I'm just gonna add in the iconic scene of the priest showing up at the door with the light and the stuff that's like the most famous. That is a really scary looking image. So good. It's- and it's based on a painting. Um, and they use that as the inspiration for it, but it's so good. Also, the beginning of the movie was shot in an actual archaeological site in Iraq. Um, Friedkin had to take an entirely British film crew because the U.S. relations with Iraq weren't good. So he took a British... And and they, according to what I read, he was allowed to film there as long as he taught them um, some, some filming techniques to some of their filmmakers. And how to make blood. Yeah, I hope. I hope but then he got to go on a real archaeological blood. site, which is awesome. I hope they meant fake blood. <laughs> yes. You just stab someone, and there yeah. you have it—the blood. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the uh, uh, the painting is a 1954 painting of Empire of Light, Le Empire de Lumière, by René Marguerite Lumière. Lumière. Uh, it also bears a strong resemblance to uh, some shot from The Night of the Hunter. I don't know what that is. Is that a movie? The Night of the Hunter? I'm reading the trivia. Yes. I guess there's a scene in there. But like, how many times have you seen this? As a matter of fact, the most recent example is that um, the third Conjuring movie where they have the scene where the priest shows up. Oh, my God. Like That was so exorcist yep. feeling right there. Um, for a reason. Oh, yeah. 
Number four, Meta Horror, Fourth Wall Breaks, mentioning the title. Well, they talk about exorcism. Nope. Which wasn't a well-known thing prior to this movie. In fact, Warner Brothers wanted them to change the title at one point because they didn't think anyone would know what an exorcist was. Did they Did they list what they wanted it to be? or They didn't. It just said that they wanted to change it. But it wasn't like, uh, because the, the church didn't do a lot of them. It wasn't like a popular thing. This movie popularized yeah. it. I think the title they wanted was the Georgetown Pea Soup Massacre. <laughs> And there was a well, lot of episode title. <laughs> uh, not a not a fourth wall break, but I wanted to mention some TV edit change uh, from "Your mother sucks cocks in hell" to "Your mother still rots in hell." Eh. Hey, it fits the lip movement. <laughs> it fits the lip movement. It's not quite as effective when she just died, but you know. Yeah. I still like my sock warming one. I thought that was much better. They should use that in the future TV edits. They should. So, um, not a not a fourth wall break, but um, Father Dyer, the priest at the very end, real priest. Real priest. That is a fourth wall break because he's a real priest that breaks that fourth wall. He didn't have to act or nothing. He was just priesting it up. Like that. <laughs> Number five, archetype characters, Crazy Raw from Friday the 13th, Randy from Scream, uh, Disappearing Shirley's, Creepy Clowns, Creepy Kids. Uh, a young priest and an old priest. <laughs> a young priest. <laughs> Walking to a bar. Walking to a bar. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> you, got, you got them. You got the possessed child. Creepy kid. Okay. Definitely right. creepy kid. L- Linda Blair. Linda Blair was phenomenal yeah. in this 100 you know, the controversy around it all uh for credits was a big thing because it's linda blair and they didn't credit either um other actress that did anything like the body double uh who ellen deacon i think was or her Dietz name or something she did a lot of the body double Early work Dietz. Deeks. yeah deets that's what it was she did a lot of the body double work um, the spider walk was done by another person entirely. And, and part of the reason that got cut. Yeah. Part of the reason it got cut initially too, was that they didn't have a good way to remove the wires. She was in a harness. Yeah. Um, and then also Mercedes. Uh, crap. What is her last name? Mercedes. Benz. It's something with a C. Yes. Mercedes Benz. <laughs> That's a, she did the voice. Anyway, she yeah. did all the voice stuff, which originally they wanted to just, alter uh linda blair's voice and it didn't it didn't work enough so they brought in this mercedes uh i'll find it here the stuff i read about her Uh, but anyway she she did bananas by the way the stuff that she did to prepare for that and everything she like crazy mercedes mccambridge i knew there was a c in there who uh who was said to be one of the finest radio actors of all time by orson welles really Mm-hmm. She was well, she had uh, won an Oscar, I think, already by the time of doing this movie. She went uncredited. Bill Friedkin told the story she didn't want a credit. She says she never said that. Uh, she ended up suing them, suing Warner Brothers and Bill Friedkin after the movie came out because she didn't have a credit. Um, 
and uh, didn't know until she saw it. They settled out of court. Um, but the, the stuff she did was nuts. Like why, why didn't they just give her credit? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like I saw that in the thing, it's like uncredited this person, this person, this person. I'm like, why, why? So part of it was the, the rumor is that, um, uh, Friedkin and maybe the producers too, uh, wanted to give sole credit to Linda Blair for the performance to help kind of hype up the, the awards stuff. So if you believe that they wanted to say, Oh, it was all Linda Blair doing, doing the entire thing. Nobody else gets credited for it. That makes that a gives a lot more hype to the movie, right? Because people are seeing it, seeing all this crazy stuff, hearing this weird voice, word of mouth starts to spread that, Oh, it's Linda Blair played this character and there's no other names associated with it. That's so weird. So, whether or not that's true, I don't know. It's entirely possible. I wouldn't put it past anybody uh, to do that. But um, you know, she she got her her due, uh, and she knows she's known as that uh, that person now. Yeah. But yeah, the stuff like reading about uh, things that she did, like uh, getting actually being tied to a chair so that it sounded while yeah. recording, so it sounded like somebody struggling, uh, smoking a bunch of cigarettes. And like eating a whole bunch of like really harsh stuff to make her voice really, really tough. Even going so far as to she had been sober. She had had alcohol problems and been sober and was uh, going to give up her sobriety to drink whiskey in order to make her throat harsher and make her voice harsher. But she wanted to have like a priest on set that she could confide in and help her with that. And that's why there's a real priest in this. Full circle. Yeah, I guess so. Wow. Uh, I have uh, one uh, disappearing Charlie, but it's mostly disappearing from my own memory. Uh, can someone explain to me who the... So in the house, you have the mom, you have the, 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 mm-hmm. the possessed girl, you have the German-Austrian yep. random guy. person who caused it all. Swiss. Uh, then you have an older lady who does the cooking. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you have another girl who I assume is a sister, but I don't know anymore. Who is she? So you had the mom and you had the daughter. You have a maid slash cook. You have a butler slash kind of a housekeeper. Like, so the, the two older people were staff mm-hmm. to just take care of the house, do the cooking, do the cleaning, do the shopping, all of that kind of stuff, maintenance. And then the younger girl was the um like a nanny would it be like an would it be like an au pair a nanny for reagan okay she takes care of reagan while mom's at work because mom is an actor mm-hmm. right so oh she was making a movie i also forget that part, part yeah, about all this movie. Really? <laughs> You're like, is this how this starts is there a movie was, in was, yeah i was like what <laughs> was there this much talking last time <laughs> Okay. And that's the thing is she's she as an actor and a well-known actor because we get that scene with um the lieutenant um who asked for her autograph. So she's well known. And that magazine at one point that Reagan's looking at in the bed, photo play or whatever, the cover of that is Reagan and her dad. And it's the, if you if you pause it and you look the the um article on the cover is about uh Chris 
the mom and the dad split. Ah. So they're they're like a really well known. I also asked why is he asking her autograph? This makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, I figured that was a sister, and then I was like, okay. And then at the end of the movie, why is she staying behind? That makes no sense. <laughs> oh, because you're like, oh, then they're gonna leave. So I guess that was the sister, and I'm like, well, no, she's saying goodbye. Nope. So I don't think they would just leave their yep. daughter there. No, she was just okay, she was a nanny. Good to know. Uh, yeah. Also, you got the uh, the grizzled old cop, oh. played by Lee J. Cobb. Yes, who just wanted to go to the movies. <laughs> yes, you just wanted somebody to go with a new movie. Damn it! <laughs> First of all, I love Lee Cobb. He is great. I just saw him not that long ago when I watched Twelve Angry Men for the first time. He's fantastic in that. He's he's incredible in Twelve Angry, Angry Men, and here he's great. And he ended up. He's the angriest of the I 12 angry men. Um, and he died not too long after this movie. Um, but they bring the character back. Lieutenant Kinderman comes back in uh, Exorcist 3, played by George C. Scott. Uh, I love Exorcist 3. So, um, yeah, I think that's it for five. Um, number six. Pointless boobies, weird wings, moonies, fanny. Uh, well, uh, one statue had a weird wang. All okay. of a sudden. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll count that, I guess. Um, I mean, stabbing yourself with a crucifix, does that count? <laughs> I like that you called it stabbing yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's for our uh, number 13, the Savini scale of gore. That's uh, how many stab- stabbing fannies uh, out of 10. Uh, that is just, um, that is really uncomfortable. Oh, uh, yeah. completely. How do you think Jesus felt? <laughs> exactly. I may have to cut this out. Um,. <laughs> My God. I mean, if it didn't already make you feel uncomfortable, the next thing she does with the mom's face, that will make you feel uncomfortable. Yes. Well, it didn't help that I was expecting her to turn into an ice cream afterwards. But. He's remembering (laughs) repossessed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Never mind. Um, So, no. Number seven, telling, retelling the legend and or establishing the movie's rules. No, because it's sort of the closest we get is Father Karras talking about how, like, the church just doesn't do exorcisms. And there's so much that has to go on before you could have that. But it's not really retelling anything. Well, it is establishing the the pecking order for the exorcism. Kind of explaining what exorcisms is. Are. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> Shut up. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like the foreshadowing of the dogs. I know this isn't really the same thing, but meh. Uh, the two dogs fighting each other. I like that. Like, the dogs are even upset. Something's coming. All, mm-hmm. it, also, in the beginning, when he's standing there staring at the statue, like, that is a really... I don't know. There's something 
There's something weird there. It's so yeah. creepy. But it was creepier in the uh, unedited version where he pulls out his penis to show off against the statue. Number eight. <laughs> sequence, montage sequence, homage sequence, flashbacks. It's a lot of stuff. Montage. Just the image of the statue coming back towards the end. Well, that or the occasional flashing of the demon face in random spots or cutaways. Mm-hmm. In the dream sequences. and Yeah. Or just in general, like when she walks, when, when Chris comes home and the lights are flickering and she walks in and answers the phone that's ringing and nobody's there and then the lights flicker. And when it comes back on, there's the demon face in like the hood over the stove. Would you? I missed that. Would you call like when she was getting the medical test? Would you call that a montage? I don't know if that was too short. As as close as this movie got to a montage, yeah. so sure. Yeah. Number nine. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's gonna be good. Scary score, spooky soundtrack. Is this the kind of music that keeps us humming? No. <laughs> Well, as Travis mentioned, uh, that the first thing I said was, well, at least this movie will have a good soundtrack, the tubular bells. And then also I was like, hmm, that's not uh, as much in this movie as I remember. <laughs> it's not, but it's so it's so interesting how tied to it this movie, the, the music in this movie are so tied together and it's barely in it. It's crazy, but it, it works and the rest of the music is pretty decent. And then there's those long stretches where there is no music and the sound design is so good. A lot of that stuff, Mm -hmm. especially like, so the movie had the reputation of people fainting while watching it. Right. Because it's so scary. Uh, They weren't fainting because of the demon stuff uh, though. It was the, the scene where they're doing the spinal tap into her carotid artery. The real life stuff. um, which is yeah, are we sure? Which is really rough. Are, are we sure people are feigning and didn't just fall asleep? Well, Ellen Burkin, uh, Ellen Burstyn talks about being at one and catching a woman who uh, got up and was trying to leave and fainted, and some other woman uh, claimed fainted and broke her jaw on a seat in front of her and then sued the theater. So, uh, I. But it was the it was the medical scenes, and part of what makes those is number one, they're long, mm-hmm. especially that one. But the sound design is so so strong there too. So it's the lack of music in those scenes. I think that actually worked better. That's like um, when Terrifier Two was coming out, and everyone was like, "People are fainting," and it was like it. 1973, yeah, people were probably fainting. Now, for Terrifier mm-hmm. 2, I fucking doubt it. Anyone no. who would have fainted would have never been in that theater. So don't even don't even start with me. That's ridiculous. It was just for hype. Nobody is going, yeah, nobody is going to Terrifier <laughs> on like without knowing what they're getting into. A lot of people saw The Exorcist in yeah. 1973 not prepared for what they were exactly. going to see. Then there's Dreadley, who's overprepared for it. 
I'm sure I'll faint one day at a movie. It'll probably be a <laughs> romantic comedy that someone makes me watch or something. <laughs> I mean, after all the shark movies, I feel like somebody might deserve to make you watch something. Mm-hmm. So, yes, this is uh, this is one of the most famous scores of all time in general for movies and stuff, or especially that one theme song, but one of the scariest themes. Um, I have a, uh, I used to drive around like high school and stuff, you know, when I first got my car and I had like a whole playlist of horror themes. It's like the nightmare on Elm street, Jason. And when this would come on, I would roll up my windows. (laughs) This, uh, the, like just the thought (laughs) of the song alone. It's funny how even music from things will elicit emotion about stuff. And it's like one of those oh, yeah. simple, like simple in quotes. Uh, kind of like the Halloween theme. It's yeah. I put it like right next to that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because the second you hear it, you picture like Father Marin getting out of that taxi walking up to that house mm-hmm. in the fog with the light hitting him just perfectly. And he's in that perfect silhouette and like knocking on the door and she opens the door and it's just a silhouette of his, of him before he takes the hat off. Like yeah, or vomit immediately. The second you hear that. <laughs> oh, that vomit. It's very surprising. Mm-hmm. We call it surprising vomit. Number 10. That scared the shit out of me. Jump scares, one last scare, and other creepy shit. Uh, I got a creepy one for you. Uh, so in the scene where she's getting the spinal tap. And yes, the, right, good. I want to hear this story. Go ahead. I love it. The the arterio, uh, arteriogram mm-hmm. scene. The guy, the assistant that's helping get her onto the table with the beard, the younger one. So he was um, a guy named Paul Bas- uh, Bateson. And he was an x-ray tech at New York Medical. New York University Medical while they were there, worked himself in to get into the movie. A um, few years later, convicted of murder. Murdered a film critic. <laughs> oh, wait. There's more. <laughs> Sentenced to 20 years in prison. While he was in prison, he bragged about being uh, the suspect in the murder of six men who he picked up at gay bars, would have sex with them, and then dismembered their bodies and put them in plastic bags. <laughs> For fun. Don't forget that he murdered like them first. <laughs> Dismembered their bodies. And they might have been alive. I've seen movies. He said had sex and then so, dismembered their bodies. Uh, that's fun. Uh, they were known as the bag murders. And they uh, investigators believe the story. There was never any official thing. He was never um, caught or, or like convicted of those murders. He just bragged about doing it. However... Um, <laughs> And they've technically never been solved. That did get turned into a story, which became a movie called Cruisin', also directed by Bill Freak. Which is a movie that I wanted to see. It is like in my queue to watch. Starring exactly. Al Pacino. I've been wanting to watch that movie for a really long time because I didn't really know what it was about. Except that, uh, you know, Al Pacino plays like a gay guy. And I'm like, I wonder what that's about. And now I know. I'm Just, not sure how I feel about it. Yeah, he plays the police officer oh, that goes he undercover. Played? Okay, so that's all right. Well, Just, 
he's playing a police officer that goes undercover to try and solve these murders. But, but yeah, the the guy who who claims to have done the murders that inspired that movie is in this movie. So it's actually so just one question about that serial killer. The film critic he killed did that, did he mm-hmm. like or dislike The Exorcist? Not a clue. Yeah. I read this and I was completely fascinated by this. Um, I don't know. It's a nice little, I love that, that he was in this and then like William Friedkin ended up doing the movie. Like there's some weird circular thing to it. Yeah, There's some strange synergy to all that. It's super creepy and uh, yeah, this just, I don't even want to think about it. Um, I, a, a moment in the movie that did scare the shit out of me is when the doctors show up, when they get the call. So they're looking at her x-rays of her brain, right? And they don't see anything there. And then they get the call and they go to the house. And when he's coming into the house, he asks, did you give her the medication I told you? And they say, yes, we did. And you hear the other doctor ask, well, what did you, what did you uh, send? And he says, Thorazine. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. They gave a 12 year old fucking Thorazine. <laughs> like, yeah, how is she? How is she conscious? Let alone throwing things around the room. Well, so and 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 causing these folks causing the the bed to bounce up and down. These yeah. these kids with their moodiness, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, can we? Well, we can just glaze over the the, the obvious things that we've said already. Uh, her head rotating. That's uh, <laughs> even today. That still looks pretty good. Uh, it looks awesome, but here's here's the best part about it, is the breath. Yeah. There's that little bit of frosty breath that was um, supposedly the, the cinematographer was like, hey, it'd be really freaky if that happened. And the special effects people were like, hold my beer. And they did that. And I it, like it just adds. It's that extra little bit yeah. of seasoning to it. To it's kind of like it reminds me of um, that thing that they do where like they'll show you a real like hatchet or axe. You know, they'll show you it doing something and then they switch it out with the fake one. So, like, your mind still thinks mm-hmm. it. I love that. Or, also, I love the story that they took the dummy with the rotating head and drove it around in a taxi cab <laughs> and would pull up next to cars to test to oh, see how God. realistic it looked. They'd pull up next to cars and when people would look over it, they'd just rotate the head and then drive away. <laughs> and I want, with everything in me, I want that to be true. Because that is amazing. I want footage of that. <laughs> I want to know the person who saw that and lost their mind. Um, I mean, nowadays we see something like that. We just start giggling. <laughs> At least I would. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you would, not me. I'd be like... <laughs> uh, one thing that did kind of scare me is... Um, Beating the literal hell out of a little girl. Yeah, yeah. That was, a, <laughs> that was something. Oh, you're a strong priest. <laughs> but yes, wow. Yeah, for some reason I always forget that he that he throws her to the ground like that and then just starts wailing on her like. He ain't he ain't pulling back, and you and he's a boxer, so you know yeah. that he hits hard. Look, prayers didn't work. I'm gonna rocky this son of a bitch out. Hey, well, I mean, when in when in doubt, like she she already killed like she killed the old man. So yeah, no, the stairs did that. Remember? 
Um, no, no, no. No. The, the oh, old that's priest, right. Max von Sydow. Yeah, Duh. he he died of a heart issue because he couldn't get Pills? his medication. Mm-hmm. There's a trope yep. we missed. Oh wait, we're not there yet. No. Sorry. Uh, uh, one thing. Wait, one one thing that scared the shit out of me, or could be in the uh, stupid shit department. It's kind of both. But she she throws up the the pea soup over them, and then the young priest goes to wash the old priest's uh, little scarf thingy. I forget the name. Vestments. <laughs> okay. I like scarf. So he just goes to wash it off with a little water, and then he comes back, and the old priest gives it a kiss, and I'm like, dude. He didn't wash it. He just some water. It's, it's Rinsed not, it. St- don't kiss that. Don't kiss That's right. He kissed the backside. He didn't have any vomit on it. <laughs> You're the light bulb from Texas Chainsaw Massacre again. Mm-hmm. Number 11. Someone does stupid shit. Or name your favorite trope. I'm going to go first because I was just saying one and now I forgot it because it flew out of my... What was I talking about again? The heart pills. Those pills. Black. Oh yeah, that fucking trope in movies where somebody is right on the cusp of dying if they don't get their pills. Like, that is such a trope. That is such a trope. And it's always a little pill thing like that too, like a little metal thing with like a hundred million little oh. tiny pills. They were glycerin pills for his heart. Yeah, there was nitro I'm just saying, it pills. was in like a little pill case. And mm-hmm. that's, I love that in movies. In real life, look when you get as old as Father Marin, you get a nice ornate metal pill case. Oh, I'm as well. gonna get one of those that has like days of the week and shit, and I'm gonna put all my pills. <laughs> in. I'm just gonna use a Pez dispenser. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, favorite uh, a trope in this is um, everyone knows and thinks of the exorcism scene, and it's nine minutes of screen time. Yep. It's it's not hardly anything, but it's so memorable. That's what you think of. Same thing with uh, Max von Sydow, right? Right? He's like top billing. Everyone thinks of him. He's barely he's barely in the movie. He doesn't show. He's at the beginning of the movie, and then it's like, oh yeah, this guy. Remember him from an hour and a half ago? We're gonna bring him back. Oh, that was the same guy. That's kind of a trope. Uh, another trope. All Germans are Nazis, which was also displayed by uh, Dreadley in real life. Hmm. I mean, I'm pretty sure he was one. That's why he attacked the other one. Well, that guy was getting pretty loud and drunk at him, to be honest. He's lucky all the old man did was try to choke him. Using a Ouija board to summon the, summon the devil? <laughs> Using the Ouija board Never use it alone. Have we not learned this? Uh, well, this was a movie. This movie popularized that whole thing. Like a lot of it came from this movie. A lot of that scare about the Ouija board. A lot of a lot of uh, religious shit came from this movie too. That's the other side of it. It made such strides in so many ways, but it also like made the religious people like shit their pants. <laughs> yep. Like, oh my god, it's a movie! Like, what? It's a fucking movie. What was it? I saw Bill- Billy Graham uh, claimed that there was an actual demon in the celluloid of the film. Yeah, because <laughs> like, Billy Graham's a fucking moron. Can we like sell him like? 
beans or something. Like, police are useless. Absolutely. Uh, is he though in this? Because he doesn't. It's not like. I mean, he does uh, suspect. He's investigating. He does suspect. Well, he's in. Inve- yeah. Go ahead. He's investigating the the death of the director, but he doesn't really have anything to go on. And they do have like that scene with him and Chris is really great with Kinderman and, and Chris, because it's sort of this whole thing where he is gently implying that Reagan is the one that pushed him out the window. And the whole time the mom is kind of coming to this realization of like, he might not be wrong, but I don't know that I can necessarily say that he's right. Like she can't come out and agree with him, but she's also not entirely sure what the hell is going on with her daughter at this point. So it's, it's a pretty interesting scene from that aspect. It's a slow moving scene. And so I can understand if it doesn't hit and it's boring for a lot of people, but I like that you, like, you, when you sit quantify down and, it. Like you can, it's okay to like it. You like it. Well, it, if you're in, if you're watching this movie because you're wanting to watch a possession movie and it's the scene of two people talking and not saying, not using the words to say what they want to say and they're dancing around it. It's a, it's a fairly boring scene, but when you take it into the context of like, this cop is basically coming into this woman's home and saying, look, I think your daughter pushed a dude out the window and killed him. Uh, but I can't come out and say that because she's 12 years old. So. And sick. Yeah. But if you think that might be the thing that happened, you can sort of tell somebody about it anyway. Can I get your autograph? Now i got to go. <laughs> Anybody else got stupid things or tropes? Really wasn't a lot of stupid things in this other than the doctors just going over and over about different things instead of what could actually be the issue. Oh yeah. They're science people. Well, no doctor is going to jump to uh, possession, <laughs> demonic no. possession. They're going to look at everything that they think. And, and, and honestly, like that was the medical science at the time. It was Sorry, one of those where I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, that's right. He's, he's, di- you know, prescribing Ritalin. Yeah. Like just mm-hmm. immediately. Oh no, she's got a problem. Here's Ritalin. And the mother even asks, well, what does it do? I mean, it's oh, a stimulant. My God. What? She's, she's like higher in a kite all the time. She's, she's wound up so tight. And he's like, well, it works. We don't know why. Yeah, exactly. So give it Look a at shot. that scene. Look at that scene. 1973. They knew nothing of what they know about ADHD. And back then, they didn't even understand why it was working to calm kids with ADHD. And the funny thing is, is that it would have worked probably for boys. But because she was a girl, she was exhibiting what would typically be like, like the boys version of it. Meaning that like, she does, like, that's not what it would look like in a girl. So even back then, like, they just didn't know, but they had the science that they had and they had to go by that. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with doing the whole spinal tap through the carotid artery and because they, they do that to remove cere- uh, c- cerebral spinal fluid in order to replace it with like air or helium so that they can take a better picture of the brain. They don't need to do that anymore, but that was the science oh, yeah. that, and that was incredibly painful to do. Yeah. That is not something you want to go through at all. And, but that was what they knew. I mean, that's medicine all throughout the ages. 
I'm sorry. I know this isn't the right time, but I completely forgot this until until just now. And so I'm going to put it here. Uh, I forgot that I watched for the first time. This is Spinal Tap. <laughs> it took Travis saying that for me to remember. And now, well, this movie goes to 11. Yes. Now I know what that means. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's very, very, very dry, but I like it. Number 12. Final Girl. Uh, no. I mean, there's a not girl. I mean, she there. survives in the end. She, she survives, but she's not the, the one that confronts it at all. So, no. Um, I don't know. She was there. No. <laughs> she was She was the one being possessed. Yeah, she was confronting. <laughs> yeah. In a way. It's not your typical no. final girl. No. Well, it's not, I mean, it wouldn't even fit the definition of a final girl. It's not that kind of movie either. Yeah. She's not the movie that would have that in it. She's not that kind of girl. Um, <laughs> Me either. <laughs> Number 13, the Savini scale of gore. It's not the quantity of gore, it's the quality of gore, special effects, and monsters. So how many spun around heads? I said tabby fannies. We'll go. No. <laughs> is it is that inappropriate? Pea soup. <laughs> How many bowls of pea soup? <laughs> she had pea coming out one way and pea coming out the other way. That's amazing. I'm I'm eight. giving this an eight. Eight what though? Yeah, I think it looks fantastic. Eight what? I don't care. You can come up. You can come up with whatever you want. I'm giving it an eight. Of no, I 100 agree. That's what I was gonna say. Really? Everything that's in it is really good. I mean, I was, yeah. I was thinking it you would good. give this a ten. Like, I'm surprised that you're eight. No, don't be silly. Okay, go ahead, uh, Dreadly. What do you? I have? can agree with an eight. The, the makeup on uh, Max looked great because I was like, wait. That's the guy from Phantoms, right? But that movie is way later than this, and he looks way younger in that one than in this one. What is going on? And yeah. I'm like, he even said he had trouble getting work after this movie because the makeup was so convincing. Everyone thought he was old. Yeah. So that that looks great, uh, and of course, possessed girl itself still looks good. The pea soup looked a bit. It still meh, looks, but it's good. Fun. Yeah, but I mean the the possession makeup looks good because they kept building on it yep. every time. Like it was always yep. a little bit more every time you'd see her, and that was great. The eyes, the different contacts she wore, whether it was whiting out her eyes or making them like this weird yellow, that was always great. Fine, um, I'll give it an eight too. Of, All right, you convinced me. Raising her off the bed looked great. That I like. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, the uh, the fact that they put like four air conditioners in that room so it would get down to like thirty degrees, frosty, uh, was was quite impressive. Um, I do love that the pea soup into Father Karras's face the first time was not supposed to hit him in the mm-hmm. face. It was aimed at his chest and they hit way too high and they kept it in the movie. Yeah. And he apparently was kind of pissed about it, which I understand completely. Well, at least he was wearing glasses. But again, no, no, no. Father Karras. Yeah. 
the oh, animal didn't have damn it. Well, he should have. That's like exorcism 101. But again, I'll say, I've said it a few times already, Bill Friedkin, crazy person. Like mm-hmm. he did all sorts. Ellen Burstyn um, fractured her the, yeah. bo- the base of her, her spine, coccyx. her coccyx. Yeah, holy shit. Because they were pulling on the uh, harness as hard as they and could they to yank her across the room. Even though they told he she told them, please don't do that. They did it anyway. And they kept that take. So that take where she lands, she broke her tailbone and the, those screams were real. Um, Linda Blair had back problems from the rig that had her whipping around the bed. Yeah. It's so sad. He apparently, apparently Friedkin fired a gun next to Jason Miller in order to get like a reaction out of him at one point. Like, this was the 70s. Yeah. The The filmmaking industry was very different. Yeah. I love when we come up with these, uh, when we come up with, when we, when we, when we read these trivias, that's the, the shit people had to go through to make movies. And it's like, oh my God, all these things were so realistic. And it's like, yeah, that's because people were really scared. Like, that's why they look so terrified. Yeah, there wasn't, the, half the time they didn't have to act. It was real things happening to them. Like, uh, was it the scene one of the scenes where Linda Blair, where Reagan slaps her mom, like she really hauled off and got her real oh, good. You could see the red mark on the face. It's like, that's not something you can fake. Like when that happens, that ha- and and it's the reaction to it. So, and that'll wrap up the 13 for this episode. And now we'll play. What the hell was that? It's where we play a clip from our next movie provided by our clip curator, Dreadley. Play the clip, Dreadley. How do you like that old house? Needs work, but we have time. Not bothered by Yowens? Yowens. Kids, local word. You know how kids like to devil new folks? No, no, no children, no. We seem to have misplaced one. Is that so? Yes, yes it is so. Can you guess that movie? Give it a try on Twitter. Or Blue Sky. You know what? Maybe we should start doing that, too. We're on there. So if you're on there, you should follow us because we're on there. And that's what you do. Uh, But don't forget to tag the show. And if no one guesses it, we'll still post our gift clues. So be sure to follow us at Gore Podcast on actually both platforms. First person to guess it correctly gets a shout out in the next episode. And you can be like Squatch, who guessed Shark Knight but was very mad at us for picking sharks. She also guessed it by accident. By accident, my accident. We didn't get any emails, but if you'd like to email the show, you can do that. Gorepodcast13 at gmail.com. We have a Patreon. So if you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash gore13, and you can be part of our uh, private Discord. Or maybe you can watch a movie with us depending on what tier you're on, right? Come join us. Join us. Come play with us. We have a website created by the lovely Bumby, so you can check us out at gorepodcast.com. And if you'd like to support us in some non-monetary ways, leave a five-star review for us on your podcast app of choice. Is that Spotify? That would be cool. Spotify's cool. You know what I did? I added that thing where now patrons can listen on Spotify. I think I did. Hopefully I did it right. 
If I did, someone send me a letter or a message or something, because I think I did it right. <laughs> Patrons. It seems really cool. So, you know, I listen. To, I think I might move my, my listening over there just because I already listen to music there. It would make it easier for me. But anyway, until the next time we do this uh, bag of shenanigans, where can people find you, Travis? All over all the social media networks uh, as TV's Travis. That is Twitter slash X, Mastodon, Blue Sky, Threads, Instagram, YouTube. YouTube's a big one for me right now. Um, if you are listening to this, I would love and appreciate a uh, subscri- subscribe on there to get that number up um, as I'm putting more and more of the podcast uh, up there. That's YouTube.com slash at TV's Travis. All right. YouTube. Travis, do it. And Faye, where can people find you? Uh, currently just on Twitter, at Chibi Phelan. You want to be on Blue Sky with us? I got invites. I got a code. I can hook you up. I mean, I'd be using it just as much as I use Twitter. <laughs> well, at least you have it. Well, we'll work on that for next time. <laughs> and finally, Dreadly, tell people how they can travel to the bowels of hell to find you. Well, you can also find me everywhere. Uh, at, you know, with the Dreadlord, sometimes with an underscore, sometimes without. Ah, figure it out. <laughs> what kind of people find you, Wicketkin? You can follow me on Twitter and Twitch and uh, Blue Sky and all sorts of social media networks at WickedKitten13. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And I hope we made it a little harder to fall asleep tonight. Holy shit. That was perfect timing. <laughs> that was perfect timing. You gotta have perfect timing for both. <laughs>